Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Hey everyone, my name is Reagan. Welcome to Conversations with Sarah, with your host, Sarah Carnes. She's my mom. She's on the radio and TV and loves the Cleveland Browns. But one of her favorite things is connecting with you. She wants to help you live a healthy, happy life. I don't know how she does it. She even got me to love carrots and eat broccoli. Thanks for listening. Well, one of the coolest experiences that I've had since working in radio, Len and I, my co-host on the morning show, 95.5 The Fish, we had a chance to sit down and talk with Dennis Prager. We're huge fans of his Rational Bible series, his commentary on Genesis, Exodus, and now Deuteronomy. Did you know that the Founding Fathers referred to Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Hebrew Bible, more than any other source? Wow. So what was it about this book that is so special? Well, Dennis shares more in this conversation. I'm a huge fan of Dennis Prager. He is one of the most respected and influential thinkers, writers, speakers in America, if you've never listened to Dennis, he's a nationally syndicated talk show host. He's heard across the country. He is the founder of Prager University, which is amazing, with more than a billion views a year. More than half the people actually watching those are under the age of 35. So pretty incredible. He's a New York Times bestselling author. Oh, fun fact, he periodically conducts symphony orchestras and he's a big fan of the the Cleveland Orchestra right here in our stomping ground. So I've been waiting for this new volume Deuteronomy to come out. I devoured Genesis and Exodus and I, I gave Genesis to so many different people as Christmas gifts because it was just that good. I've always loved learning about the Old Testament I feel like maybe because growing up, we talked about the New Testament a lot, which is awesome. I love the whole Bible, but I feel like there were so many things that I missed out on in the Old Testament because either it was skipped over or people didn't really understand it. Or sometimes, honestly, I think sometimes people felt it was irrelevant, too old, outdated. Those are laws that don't apply anymore. So a lot of times it was just skipped. And it always kind of made me wonder, well, I don't know. I Maybe we're not supposed to skip it. Maybe we should really dive in and learn the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus loved the Torah. So Prager was one of the first people that I started to read and really just dive into learning more of the Old Testament. And it's been a beautiful experience. So answers to those questions you'll find in this book. Why do people dismiss 
the Old Testament, Deuteronomy in particular, maybe as being irrelevant, irrational, immoral, all of the things he goes through all of that. And I love the commentary because he'll go verse by verse and giving you the background from a Jewish perspective. Going back to context in that time, what those words, what those different things mean in the Bible, and of course, how they relate to us today. So let's get going. I love Dennis. I highly recommend Prager University as well. Check it out. Lots of information that you can learn over there. Dennis Prager on the podcast. And just a reminder, this is an interview that my partner on the morning show at 95.5 The Fish, Len and I did together. So I hope you enjoy Dennis Prager. Dennis, it is so great to be here with you right now. I have to tell you, Len and I are huge Prager fans. We are kind of Prager evangelists. <laughs> we tell everyone about you, Prager you, and really your Rational Bible series has been so amazing for us. I, I'm big, Len is big on really knowing the original historical context of the Old Testament, New Testament. And your books really do just that. A, a lot of times, I think people think the Old Testament is weird and it's confusing. And I don't know, maybe I'll just skip that. And by reading your books, it's really just shown me a rational and logical explanation as to what the Old Testament meant in its original context, in its historical context. So, we're just so excited to talk with you. We've given your book out to so many people. Anytime a pastor comes in or anyone comes in to do an interview, we slip in talking about what we're reading and that we have just loved your series, The Rational Bible. So we're always telling people to pick it up and and give it a read. And we're super excited. This new volume, Deuteronomy, is coming out. God, I'm so touched by your reaction, but that is my dream. As I have said uh, on numerous occasions, nobody writes a commentary on Deuteronomy to get rich. Uh, <laughs> so, I, I, you know, the fact that I want everybody to read it is not exactly a monetary quest. I, I truly believe that if people don't take the first five books seriously the society is doomed. Mm. That's This is the answer to evil. This is the answer to depression. Of course, I love the rest of the Bible, uh, but uh, everything is rooted here. Creation, Garden of Eden, the, the Exodus, the Ten Commandments, love your neighbor, love God, love the stranger. It, it's all there. I, in Deuteronomy, if I may, I just want to... I'll single out a law that almost no one knows, and yet, if I had to, if I had to answer the question, why do you think these five books come from God? I, I might use this law as an example. As everyone knows, in war, rape is as common as killing. It, 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 it's like a, it's just a, like a, a part of war, a horrible part of war. And these laws, there are 240 of them in Deuteronomy. There are more laws in Deuteronomy than any other book. 
These laws are a recipe for a better world. Here's an example. You capture a woman in battle. I mean, this is, this is specific. I'm, I'm almost quoting by word. You cannot touch her. If you want her, you must marry her. Not only that, you can't even marry her for 30 days. She must sit in your home and be allowed to mourn her family that she lost in the war. This is, this is the, this is the biblical law. Can you imagine if this were, were mm. followed it, by every army in history? What a difference it would be. You know how many German women were raped by Soviet soldiers? Millions, literally millions. And, and, and look at this elevated idea. Uh, where does this come from? Or, or, or my, one of my favorite proof texts is if Jews wrote uh, the, the Bible, they did a very interesting thing. They showed themselves in a very negative light. Hmm. I, I mean, the, the, the Jews are, are so often described by God as, as unworthy even of surviving. He, he, Moses has to talk God into not getting rid of them because uh, uh, they just keep rebelling. Who would write that? Who, who writes about their own people negative things? So I, I am convinced that, that God is the ultimate source of, of these five books. Yeah. And Dennis, people don't know just the things that we just talked about. They've heard about the Bible or they've heard about the first five books of the Bible. They jump to an opinion or conclusions and they've never even heard the brief discussion that we just had there. A couple that's of right. That, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it about this book? I do want to focus on Deuteronomy. We've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Oh, why does it stand out? So I found out something that blew my mind. Some professor, I don't, I don't even know if he was religious or not. Some professor at American University, uh, analyzed, I guess, through uh, the internet, through, through, uh, computers. What book did the founders cite the most often, secular or religious? And it turned out to be Deuteronomy. In second place was Montesquieu, the French Enlightenment thinker. So that alone should say to people, whoa, if the founders thought Deuteronomy was worth citing the most, it must have a lot of incredible stuff. And that is exactly the case, including, by the way, Moses's repetition of the Ten Commandments. God gives it in Exodus. Moses re-gives it in Deuteronomy. It's it's the same Ten Commandments, but he changes one of the reasons. It's very, very interesting, for, at least to me, and I think to anybody who understands the, the centrality of the Ten Commandments, when God gives the reason for the Sabbath, it's because I rested, I, God, rested on the seventh day, and if you rest on the seventh day, you are affirming that I created the world. But Moses thinks, that's not going to fly with these people. It's a little too sophisticated. I'm going to make it much more down to earth. Keep the Sabbath because you are now free and you don't have to work seven days a week. Wow. Isn't that interesting? That's really interesting. Oh, that's, interesting. that's super interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, That's why, forgive me, I just want to say, I, I that's why it's called the rational Bible. Yeah. I, that was a rational explanation for the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I believe God gave us reason to use it as a vehicle to get to him. That's, that's my vehicle in life. Really? really. Yeah. 
I love that. And I, I love that you you have this rational Bible. You make it so easy to understand and prayer you. It's the same way. And I, I think my question, I think of it more towards a Zen Z, a Gen Z generation. I have a daughter in that, but I guess it applies to anyone. But I was having a conversation with someone and they they made the comment of how they feel like the Bible could be just a bunch of fairy tales, you know? So what would you say to someone who who does think the Bible is really maybe just a series of fairy tales? Why would they consider buying Deuteronomy commentary? So, for example, the law I gave that you can't touch the woman, she has to sit and mourn her parents, the one you captured in war for 30 days, and then you can only touch her if you marry her. Is that a fairy tale? Or is that about as relevant to the world as we can imagine? It's good. People who dismiss it as fairy tales didn't study it. Yeah, I don't think they've read it. Yeah, that's what I say all the time. I'll tell you, there's a desire to dismiss it because people don't want to believe that there is a code that they have to adhere to, Mm. let alone a God that they need to obey. Yeah. Yeah. We are living living in the age viewed brilliantly foretold in the Garden of Eden story, which, by the way, even if people think didn't literally happen, I don't care. I want you to understand the message of, of, of the story. You have a serpent who, who's a, a bad guy, as it were. And he says to Eve, hey, listen, you eat from the tree and you will be like God. You, you will determine good and evil. That is exactly what is happening today. Mm-hmm. The reason for the hatred of the Bible is because people want to be their own gods. This is, yes. I mean, it, I, and I mean that literally. Yes. Who, who is the source? Ask the secular leftist progressive, who is the source of your knowledge of right and wrong? And they will say, me. That's it. My conscience, my heart, my thinking. They, they are their gods. And when that happens, moral and intellectual chaos follows. Yeah. That... It is not religious people who say men give birth. It is secular people who say men give birth. If you needed a proof for why this quote-unquote fairy tale book is necessary, that is the proof. Religious people do not buy this enormous absurdity that men give birth. <laughs> that's, that's, that's well said. You know, what you're saying right now, um, it, it really, it, it seems to tie into something I was listening to your radio show the other day. And I know that uh, this commentary, you've actually have a, an essay written in the Rational Bible Deuteronomy about fearing God. And uh, basically say that fear, the, the essay is called Fear of God is Morally and Psychologically Necessary. Mm-hmm. I think it kind of ties into what you were talking about right there in the state of our world today. And I know that's why you're so urgent to get this message out. So talk about that essay. Every human being fears. Fear is an instinct in the human and in all species. It's, and it's protective in the right occasions. You're attacked by a lion. You, you you have fear and you, you act upon it. So the question in life is how much do you fear does it, it, does it paralyze you, which it has in the last years here in the, in the Western world? 
ironically, outside of Sweden. (laughs) And the other question is, whom do you fear? And I'm sorry to say that a lot of rabbis, priests, and ministers feared the CDC and feared the New York Times more than they feared God. That that synagogues and, and churches closed down in obedience to irrational, that's critical, irrational secular authority is a very worrisome thing to me. Having said that, the only places not to close down were, in fact, religious places. The, these people, like I, 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 I run a synagogue in, in Los Angeles, and the second that we could find a venue that would host us, we were open way before other synagogues or churches were in most cases. And there were, of course, some churches, and I've had all these pastors on in the Southern California area. I've had them on my show to honor them, who never closed down. And they and they were right. Just as Sweden was right, which is a completely secular place, not to close its schools. So fear, the question in life is, whom do you fear and how much do you fear? Interestingly, this will blow people's minds in both directions. (laughs) We're told to fear God and one other being, parents. And I think it is brilliant. And I'll tell you why. I did a show. I regard my radio show as a human laboratory. I can ask anything and people from every background will give me an answer. Very, nobody who's ever written a Bible commentary had that laboratory. I I have a, an unfair advantage. That makes sense. From knowing biblical Hebrew very well, obviously. So I asked one day on my show, call me up and tell me, why didn't you take drugs when you were a kid? Virtually every person who called it said, because my mother would kill me. (laughs) their lives might have been saved because they feared their mother. Mm. And by the way, it it, it is, this will blow your minds if if you're not aware of this. The law to fear your parents puts mother first. The law to honor your parents puts father first because you're more likely to honor your mother than your father and you're more likely to fear your father than your mother. So it reverses it. This is what I mean. The genius of these books yeah, is, yeah. is stupefying. That no, is genius. I know. I know. That's why I like it so much. <laughs> yeah. And I remember reading about that yes. in, in your other books as well. I guess yeah. that kind of goes into my next question. And, and that's about all of the laws in the Bible, the laws that were written in Deuteronomy for the Israelites. I think a lot of people get confused and have a lot of questions about this. Like, first, what are the laws? Because I don't know everybody even reads into them. And their biggest question for Jews and Christians, do they still apply today? Right, right, right. So there are two answers to, to does the law apply today? Does the law's specifics apply today? Or does the law's intention and and moral teaching apply today. Uh, there are times when, for example, don't uh, don't charge any interest on a loan. Obviously, there would be no economy 
if we charge no interest on loans. Mm -hmm. So what was the intent? The intent was to help your neighbor. It Mm -hmm. wasn't to crush an economy. Mm -hmm. And to this day, it is a beautiful thing. I mean, wherever Jews established communities, for example, they they had uh, interest-free loan societies. And obviously, Jews did well in business as a general rule. So they didn't do it to crush business. They did it to help people. So I would say, yes, either the moral or the specific of every single law in, 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 the, in the Torah and specifically Deuteronomy, which has more laws than any other book, by the way. That's why if people, you know, people ask me, what was the toughest book? I would say Deuteronomy. That was mm-hmm. the toughest of, of, of the books. I haven't done Leviticus yet, so, you know, <laughs> come wow. back to me when yeah. I finish. Yeah. <laughs> I'm finishing numbers, and, 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 and they're all big challenges, but that, that doesn't compete with Deuteronomy well. with, all the, all, with all the laws and, and how uplifting they are and, and how, by the way, just as a parenthetical, protective of women, this is, a, this is completely unknown to, to moderns who think that this is a sexist book. It's so non-sexist, the, the, the Torah, that there are scholars who think women wrote it. Secular scholars. It's, wow. it's fascinating. No, that's, that is, that is interesting. And, and when you were talking about, uh, the interest and that sort of thing, it, it really made me think of the words of Jesus, right? To love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and it just makes sense, uh, in light of the way you explain the, the meaning behind the laws. Jesus loved the Torah. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's it's obvious. He didn't love what all Jews did with it. I don't love what all Jews do with it. <laughs> but the, that's, that's the very Jewish thing. You know, uh, yeah. Israel, which a lot of Christians don't remember. Israel, the name of the Jews in the Bible, Israel, means, and this is in the Bible, in Genesis, when God changes Jacob's name to Israel. Yeah. Israel means struggle with God. Hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, I, and that is such an invitation to people who have issues with God to take this, these books seriously. That's exciting. That God, is really people exciting. Are, are yeah. named struggle with God. It's okay to struggle with God. It's not yeah. okay to ignore God. Wow. Yes. Well Here's a struggle that a lot of people have. Uh, speaking of struggling with God, uh, I think people of faith struggle with this. Uh, and I know it's a lot of reason. Uh, a reason that a lot of people use either genuinely or as an excuse when it comes to the whole issue of having faith in God. And that is the whole idea of genocide in the Old Testament. God promises uh, the promised land to the people of Israel, the Israelites. The Canaanites are occupying that land. And so uh, they're instructed to take over the land and annihilate everyone in the land. And, And a lot of people just have a hard time saying, how could a God who's the God of love, as we describe that today, uh, how could he do that? It just, it just can't be true. So could you just touch on that? Yes. Well, I, 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 I deal with every difficult moral issue uh, that, that, that I think exists in, in, in any of these texts. First of all, this will interest you in the Torah. And I, I do make a division because that's the traditional Jewish view that uh, while the whole Bible is is inspired by God, the actual author of the Torah is regarded as God in the in the final analysis. There is a distinction 
always has been between the Torah and the rest of the Old Testament. And in the Torah, God does not instruct the annihilation of anyone. That happens later in Joshua. It is Moses who actually does it. And in any event, it never happened. I don't mean it never happened because archaeologists found proof. It never happened because the Canaanites appear later in the Bible. How, how, how are Israelites intermarrying with Canaanites if they were, if they were exterminated or Midianites? There is a, in war, and this is fine with me, even though, uh, uh, you would think, well, you know, the Bible, how could it, uh, how could it use hyperbole? Remember, it was given to people, not to angels. And mm-hmm. so there, in war rhetoric, kill them, smash them, don't let anybody out, you know, get rid of them. This is war talk. It didn't happen. The Bible itself says it didn't happen. But I have a larger macro answer. The God who says, love your neighbor as yourself, who says, love the stranger, who says that, that if the, if, if you're, enemy's donkey is overladen with with heavy things you have to remove those heavy things that says you can't touch a woman in battle for 30 days and and then only if you marry her i in the final analysis if i have one moral problem with the depiction of that god uh, in that book i'll defer the benefit of the doubt and say the God who told me love my na- who made civilization possible knew what he was talking about. Okay. And remember, there is no even hint that this is how you should ever act in any other battle. The Canaanites had child sacrifice. God didn't like that. <laughs> he hated <laughs> I mean, it's over and over repeated. They sacrificed children. These were not sweet people that we're talking about and and uh, uh, and it doesn't apply any longer it was in a, it was a specific group at a specific time well Dennis that's, I mean that is so helpful and I feel like people could find that answer if they wanted to if they put the effort into it rather well, than trying to just wrote, use that's that, why I'm know. writing the rational bible it's the greatest yeah. books ever written and yeah. it, all I would say to your listeners is read the reviews in on Amazon on Genesis and Exodus, the two that have already come out. Yeah. 4,000 yeah. reviews, mostly Christians, many writing it, how it has strengthened their faith. Oh, yeah. Yes. Listen, listen I, to my review and Sarah's review because, I mean, it really did set both of us on a, on a journey of learning and studying and seeing the human side of the characters in the Bible, that uh, characters, the people in the Bible that um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been so wonderful. And it started, uh, uh, for me personally, I wanted to know, how does a Jewish person interpret the Garden of Eden story? And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, yeah. that's right. Look, uh, I am a big fan of the word Judeo-Christian. America is the, was the most Judeo-Christian country ever founded. These were Christians who were very, very Judeo-centered. Do you know that Franklin and Jefferson uh, wanted, they designed, we have the design, it's on the internet, designed a the great seal of the United States to show the exodus from Egypt. Mm. That's how much they modeled themselves. And Jefferson was hardly uh, this this big believer. But but Bible to these people was the central text of their lives. I love it. I'm sorry. No, that's so good. That's so yeah, good. It's no, so exactly. interesting. 
Yes, yes. I want this to be the central text in people's lives. Sarah, I'm going to give you a final thought there. Well, no, I just wanted to tell you, too, just how many times we have shared. You mentioned the reviews on Genesis and Exodus. Len and I, we we do a bunch of interviews, and we always love to tell people or ask people, what are you reading? And that's kind of our end to tell them, well, we're reading this, and this is what you should be reading. And we have given so many copies of Genesis and Exodus through those conversations to pastors, to guests, and everyone in my family got a copy last year for Christmas. I think it's one of the most important books a Christian should read. I'm humbled by that. I, I... I can't tell you how grateful I am. Uh, thank you for saying that. Well, in light of that, you're going to really love Deuteronomy. Well, I know that. We now, numbers is, numbers is going to be a challenge. I usually skip over that, Dennis. Oh, you won't <laughs> skip over mine. I promise. <laughs> we, we're we grateful uh, for the time. Uh, connect people with uh, Dennis Prager in all ways, whether it's on social media or what's the best way uh, for people? DennisPrager.com. Yeah. Uh, Everything that's going on, including where I'll be lecturing and where I come to people's cities. I have a great new podcast with a 22-year-old girl or woman, whichever term you want to use. There's a 50-year difference between us, and it blows people's minds. It's called Dennis and Julie. Okay. And uh, you, you guys will love it if you don't know about it. it, it it's, it's a very beautiful new thing. And obviously, PragerU, because PragerU has a billion views a year and is is touching mostly young people. It, it's uh, it's a blessing in my life that yeah. that it exists and and in others' lives too. I'll well, say this: I, I really believe if your child could go to Yale U or Prager U, they do a lot better at Prager U. It's really good. I've been there. I spent a lot of time on Prager U. Yeah. And, and let me just say, challenge everybody just uh, watching. Encourage you. I don't want to say challenge. I just want you to know that your life will be changed for the better and you won't look at things the same. If you just take a moment and say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to jump into the rational Bible and see what it's all about. Dennis, thank you so much. God bless you both. So good. I hope you enjoyed that. I'm going to leave you with a quote from Dennis today. If there is no God, the labels good and evil are merely opinions. So good. I hope you enjoyed this. Check out one of the many other episodes on Conversations with Sarah. All of these podcast episodes are just about making tomorrow better. They leave you encouraged. They leave you hopeful. They leave you wanting to do more. And I would love for you to subscribe, leave a positive comment if you like the podcast. And just thank you for sharing your time with us today.